the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And we continue with Summer of Sharks this episode. We're going back to an episode that we covered about three weeks ago. We're following on from 2010's The Reef with 2022's The Reef Stalked. We're back in sequel territory for this week's Summer of Sharks. We're covering the spiritual sequel to 2010's The Reef. It's 2022's The Reef Stalked, once again written and directed by Andrew Trokey. So in this week's synopsis, there is no author, but I'm going to pretend what I read for you now is by Nick Reganis, because why not? In an effort to heal after witnessing her sister's horrific murder, Nick, her sister Annie and two close friends travel to a remote Pacific island for a kayaking and diving adventure. Only hours into their expedition, the women are stalked and then attacked by a massive great white. To survive, the women will need to band together and Nick will have to overcome her post-traumatic stress, face her fears and slay a monster. As Darren said, this is a spiritual sequel to 2010's The Reef. All these movies have in common is they're about sharks and people becoming stranded in the ocean, but the characters are unrelated to the characters in the original, and I don't believe this one is based on a true story at all. It's just a fictional idea. I really enjoyed this film. I would say it's reminiscent to The Shallows, if you remember we recorded an episode on that in series one of summer of sharks i don't think this is movie as is as good as the shallows but i got a lot out of it i thought this level of suspense in this was on point i was tense through so much of it and just the way it shot they don't let you see too much too many glimpses of the shark you see a lot of a fin swimming around more than seeing the actual shark so i think that adds to the suspense and terror of the situation and the characters are quite sympathetic as well and I preferred the characters in this to the characters in the first one as I said I did really like the first film but I felt that I was more connected to this group of women than I was to the characters in the first movie and this film is quite heavy-handed there's a lot of trauma that it deals with and not for the faint-hearted the opening sequence is pretty harrowing off the bat so just a trigger warning here for domestic violence. The movie opens up with the character of Nick discovering her sister's lifeless body after being brutally murdered by her abusive husband. 
and then that triggers post-traumatic stress. At nine months later, after the tragic event, she meets back up with her friends and her younger sister, who prior to losing their other sister wasn't interested in any of this water-based activities, but now she's pushing herself out of her comfort zone. And it's all about reconnecting and basically healing from trauma. It's then going hand in hand with being a shark movie as well. So there's a lot going on in this and it's very, very tense and I enjoyed that. And it's beautiful. It's it's absolutely visually stunning how it's shot. The sea looks absolutely amazing. The underwater shots are breathtaking. This movie has a lot to love about it. Yeah, it's really, really well filmed. And everything about it is very clear. Like in the first movie, you can actually see down into the water, which makes it more tense when you can see the sharks swimming about underneath people. And you're right about the opening. The opening I wasn't really prepared for because I hadn't really read up on the synopsis. I just went in fairly cold to this one. And within the first 10 minutes, you get this fairly harrowing sequence of the main character discovering the aftermath of what clearly has been a a dreadful bit of domestic violence and that throws you sideways a little bit i was not expecting that at all and it sets you up for the rest of the movie really because the reef kind of eases you into it but about 20 minutes in it is tension all the way in the reef the sequel it doesn't have any water-based menace for a while, but it drops you straight in into a terrifying situation of another kind. And, as you alluded to, becomes a slightly different movie. It's as much a movie about coping with post-traumatic stress as well as being a standard escape from the shark movie. It does have similarities with The Reef in that the shark in this one it seems to be stalking these people for no reason. And again, that's a good thing because I like the fact that the shark does seem to be motivated by just going after people. It seems to be doing it because it wants to. And again, you're right. The characters in this one are much more sympathetic than the first one. Not that the characters in the first one were the sort of people that you wanted to die because they weren't, but straight away you're on the side of the group of people in this movie and it makes them more resilient they're a more smart bunch i think i think the people in the reef do make some quite stupid decisions these people in stalked do try to do their best with the resources that they've got and it doesn't always work out for them which adds to the suspense but they are strong female characters who actually want to get out of the situation they don't fold up even when they're under extreme stress you do get the feeling that these people are trying their absolute best to get out of a situation and uh, more than a match for the shark as it turns out in the climax of it there's also a great bit of dialogue which i think everybody would say if they kept seeing a shark constantly coming to attack them One of the characters sees the fin and is just had enough of all this going on. It's probably about an hour, an hour five into the movie. But this character sees the shark for the umpteenth time and just goes, fuck off. 
And I think <laughs> everybody would say fuck off to the shark at this point. It's a simple piece of dialogue, but it really works. And they do set up the usual thing about the sharks are not much of a threat. Like in the reef, they said something like, you know, there's more chance of, I can't remember what it was, but, you know, there's, there's very little chance of getting attacked by a shark. Then somebody early on says, oh, sharks, they're pretty timid usually. Well, you know, the shark in this one isn't going to be pretty timid because you wouldn't have a movie. But it's setting up its usual sort of framework. It's a very similar template to the reef but it does something slightly different with it including the fact that the body count in this one is actually surprisingly low but it still works because what it does it gives you a fairly nasty shark death early on which sets you on edge wondering who's going to be the next to go but then it flips the script a little bit and a lot of the rest of the movie is about them fighting the shark and surviving its various attacks. It executes the tension so well because you never know who's going to be next. And I like that it doesn't make it so obvious as well. Anyone is expendable in this, and whether they do kill these characters off, you have to wait and see. We will get into spoiler territory, I'm sure, later on in the episode. Yeah, it has high-octane stakes in this. There's even quite an intense moment that involves children and it really goes deep sorry for the pun by taking on such a controversial horror movie trope which is children in peril it doesn't quite go the way of jaws you'll be happy to know but it is quite disturbing and i think with the scene with the children and the scene with the discovery of nick's sister's body it's very much heart in your mouth, heart pounding tension. And from that opening moment, I definitely felt quite on edge for the rest of the film because that happens. And even though it goes into the reunion of the characters meeting back up and they're just trying to be cheery, looking forward to their trip and um, drinking. And, and even though those moments come in straight after the harrowing moment, it still isn't enough to let you catch your breath, I don't think. I just felt very on edge. And I think that was good for the rest of the film because it just plays with its audience because you never know what's going to happen next. And I really like that. Also, the shark is swimming in shallow waters, which I think that makes it even more terrifying because they're not actually stranded right in the middle of the ocean with miles and miles of ocean ahead of them. Actually, they're quite close to the shore. And I think, again, that raises the stakes because they're so close to safety, whether they make it because of the ferocious shark. That's the excitement of the film, I think, as well. So I really enjoyed this. I mean, it is very similar, as I say, to uh, The Shallows and obviously the first Reef film. It's very much, you know, a survival shark horror movie. But I just really enjoyed this one. And it's very hard in this oversaturated genre where we have got a mix of the serious shark movies and the silly shark movies. And it depends which subgenre you feel on board for at the time but I think yeah this one is quite high up for me and I think in last week's episode we discussed about placing these films ranking them in top 10 order and potentially this could end up in my top 10 I feel I really really enjoyed the movie yeah it is a good movie and it doesn't need to be particularly gory like the reef the bloodthirsty attacks are very 
few and far between and again it's more a case of what you don't see than what you do see that makes it all the more horrible of course you do have that opening moment where you get that image of somebody drowned in the bath which you keep getting because nick the main character is reliving that moment over and over again and that's quite a it's a it's kind of a horror trope but it's played into a shark movie and every time she's under stress she's seeing this vision of her dead sister and that's i mean that's quite scary actually on one level it's a, just a, a normal shark movie a really good normal shark movie but it adds an extra level of horror to it because this really awful vision of what's happened in the first 10 minutes of the movie keeps coming back and back so you're seeing this vision over and over again which makes it more disturbing but also plays into the last act and nick has to overcome this trauma to get her and everybody else to safety you're right about the kids sequence i didn't know where that was going to go and it's quite a long and extended suspense sequence with the kids because there's two kids trying to get away from the shark and one of them gets to the shore and then you think right what's going to happen to the next one but they just and i'm not going to say drag it out i mean they drag it out on purpose it's not that you get bored of it but it goes on for so long that sequence with the kids that you're thinking one of them's surely going to die now because it's been going on for so long. But it does this quite a few times throughout the movie. There's quite long sequences in which you don't really know what's going to happen and you don't know where the threat's coming from. And it does rely on a couple of jump scares like the first one does, but I don't think it overplays the jump scares. It knows when to put them in. But as the movie progresses, it relies on them less and less because you do get this women v shark battle really over the second half of the movie where they're trying to reach a certain point and they're trying to get medical help and everything that they seem to be doing is being thwarted by this shark and you know that it's going to come down to a big showdown. But even the big showdown is played in a reasonably realistic where you don't get anything particularly ridiculous at the end and there is a point again at the end where even though there's a few people left to battle the shark the way that it's shot the last battle between them you kind of think is anybody actually going to get out of this because it just seems really really desperate and the way that it progresses you just wonder well a why are they doing this? Because it's a really risky move that they pull at the end to try and trap the shark. And B, this surely isn't going to work. Now, even though you're thinking it surely isn't going to work, is it going to be as much of a downer as the end of the reef? Because the reef ends with one person surviving it, but she's so traumatised by the experience that you just think, what's life going to be going on with this? Spoiler alert. I'm going to have to say, because we're going to have to discuss the ending, this doesn't go that way. There is a more hopeful ending and Nick does face a trauma and get over it and there is a bit of a reunion again. They come back to the place where it all kicked off. I don't know when it is. It's, it's sometime in the future afterwards and they all meet up again to celebrate the life of themselves and the people that they've lost. So 
it goes in a slightly different way than the reef. It leaves you feeling uplifted rather than thinking, oh God, what's going to happen next? Yes, on one hand, it has quite a triumphant ending, but also a melancholic ending at the same time because it's still very sad. And you feel that sadness for the characters with the people they've lost under such tragic and unforeseen circumstances. So I think it plays on that very well. It's kind of hopeful, as you say, because they have each other and they've got each other's support to get through their trauma. It's not as bleak as the first movie, which I did appreciate because I think I've hardened myself now with this genre that I just go in expecting the worst. <laughs> so I was actually caught off guard when, yeah, we have three survivors and, of course, the little girl who does get her leg quite badly mauled by the shark. She is also alive and thankful for all their help with basically murdering the shark to keep the water safe again. But yeah, that kid sequence, I think what's so interesting about that is by this point in the movie, female characters, they have got themselves out of the water. And obviously having this whole traumatic incident with the children is then the catalyst to get them back in the water because you're thinking, okay, they're out to safety. What is going to pull them back in considering there is a ferocious shark lurking in the depths of the ocean? So it was very high stakes in how they did that. And again, just different. It wasn't just a whole movie where people were stranded in, in the water far from safety. So I think that's what made it that much more interesting than the usual fear that we get. But, you know, not saying that any other movie that we've seen that does deal with those tropes is any less good. But I think there's just something with this that resonated with me. And yeah, as you say, that vision of the dead cystic that keeps coming back, that is rather triggering and upsetting and I think that just adds another level to it I think that makes this film unforgettable compared so for me sequences like that I do find very unsettling there is something in the tv show Happy Valley that is quite similar but I find in that it's even more sustained and horrific and after watching that I couldn't get the images out of my head and having completed that series now Every time I went to series and knowing that image was going to come back, it was just haunting. So I think bringing something like that, I mean, nobody wants to look at a sustained image of a dead body of someone who's died under incredibly tragic circumstances. So that element definitely gets under the skin. Yeah, and it's done effectively. I don't think they hammer it. It's just done with the right amount of care and attention. It doesn't dwell on the opening sequence too much. It's part of the plot. It has to be part of the plot. But at the same time, it's not rubbing the audience's face in it either. And it takes the attention away from that the more they're battling the shark, which is a good thing. But it never lets you lose sight of the fact that Nikki's there because she's gone through all of this trauma. And it doesn't let them off at the ending by saying, all right, we've gone through all of this. Everything's all right now. It does give you all that emotional thump at the end because they have lost people, they're not coming back, but as you say the group has got each other to rely on and support them and you do get that nice video call from one of the kids at the end so she's thriving even though she's gone through the shark attack earlier in the movie it's everything that the reef isn't in terms of utter bleakness because there's no hope at the end of the reef somebody has got through it but 
they've just gone through such an ordeal you just don't think they're going to be the same again at least with this you feel that people can move on whereas the survivor of the reef you just think i don't think she's ever going to get past this so you get a slightly different attitude to the end of this movie it's still really well done i think as a pair of movies the reef and this stand head and shoulders above quite a lot of other shark movies they're a good double bill because there's a lot of contrast between the two you might have thought that the reef with it being a reasonably successful movie in terms of how the critics thought it was that the guy would go back in and go well i'll just do the reef again with some slightly different characters it's not the same movie they do quite a lot of different things in the second movie it's got a different style to it again in terms of how it's filmed it looks as good as the first one if not better and filmed probably in the same areas of queensland i think it was filmed in queensland as was the first one i have to say this is a really good movie i would recommend it highly it's a movie for people who want a shark movie with a little bit more depth to it but don't want too much gore and there is very very little gore in this there's a little bit of blood and that's about it so if you're the sort of person that covers their eyes when something nasty is going to happen you're safe through most of this movie it's more to do with suspense you will get tense but there's not an awful lot of gore in it absolutely and i don't even think you need to be a fan of the the shark movie genre to enjoy this it's a very good standalone thriller and as you say the director didn't tread the same water twice <laughs> so I, I really like that he's gone and created something completely individual from his previous work while having it under the, the same umbrella basically so I highly recommend this film you do have to buy it if you want to see it at the moment. So it is available to buy on Prime Video for $5.99. It's $5.99 in the HD version, which I highly recommend because it just looks absolutely beautiful. It's so picturesque and it's like you want to be there on that beach. Not in the water. <laughs> Maybe at the end of the movie when everything's calm again. It gives you that kind of vacation vibes. And some of these shark movies really give me vacation vibes. And I know that might be weird, but it does because it's just the beautiful scenery, the sea, the sand, the sun. It's just, just looks so picturesque and that you just want to go and chill on a beach. That's what it, it does for me. So as I say, it's available Prime and also Hulu as well. And you can also buy it on Apple TV. Darren also saw it on Sky Cinema. So if you have a subscription to Sky Cinema, it's also available there as well. If you've got time to watch loads of movies. So, with all that said, IMDb have given it a very disappointing score of 4.1 out of 10. Don't agree with that at all. I just think whoever has rated this must have shark movie fatigue. It happens, but I think this deserves a lot more love. And the user reviews on IMDb are very unkind. I'll just whip through a few titles. Should have stuck to the original. Amateur shark. Grade A shark B movie. When you want the shark to win, it's not good, but it's not altogether terrible either. So very lackluster reviews. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 67% tomato meter and a 64% audience score. For me, I would probably rate it at about 75%, 7 out of 10, if I was going to. Yeah, I mean, I think the Rotten Tomatoes rating is a bit more in line. They're a bit more generous and a bit more respectful of the movie. 
what was that one you want when you want the shark to win when you want the shark to win i will read this review so this person has rated it a two out of ten when you want the shark to win i'm gonna keep this short terrible acting like really terrible very poor script like most shark movies obviously it takes inspiration from jaws but it's barely the same sport Characters doing stupid things and saying even dumber things when talking about sharks. One of these characters actually says it's the big ones you need to look out for. Dismissed. Don't agree with any of that. Not every shark movie has to be Jaws. In fact, if every shark movie was Jaws, it would be very, very boring indeed. I love Jaws. Jaws is probably the best shark movie ever made. But I do not want to see Jaws over and over again, remade by other people. I need different takes on a shark movie. And this is very much a different take. The characters are not stupid, they're quite resourceful. They are trying to get out of a terrible situation with very little at their disposal. And they do come up with some reasonably ingenious ways of trying to get to the next island to get help. So I don't buy that the characters are stupid because they're not. The whole thing about the dialogue, yes, people will say things like, it's the big ones you need to watch out for, but that isn't a stupid line of dialogue because it is the big ones you need to watch out for. If you've got tiny little sharks floating around, yeah, you're not going to be as worried as was some fucking great shark coming at you. So it is the big ones you need to watch out for, and it's quite a big one they need to watch out for in this movie. So I don't know what this person was expecting when they went into this movie. Two out of ten fine that's their opinion they can rate it two out of ten if they want i'm not going to change their mind about it but i don't see how they thought everything in the movie was bad particularly the characters because i was on side with the characters from minute one and i thought that they were engaging and quite intelligent and it's another example of shark movies with strong female characters now obviously we covered Devilfish recently which is a shark movie with very <laughs> weak female characters and that's kind of annoying in 2023 but this one the female characters are front and center apart from the abusive husband who is an absolute piece of shit there are no male characters in this movie i think there's one kind of bit player who kind of comes in very very briefly but it's a female-led movie now if people don't like female-led movies hey that's their lookout but you tend to get more interesting dynamics if you get female-led movies. And I'm not doing this kind of not-all-men thing again, which we are going to go back to, I'm sure, at some point. But you do tend to get more interesting plot developments when you get groups of women and groups of men. And I think that's probably down to writing as well. Because if you're writing standard male characters, they're all very macho and they want to blow the shit out of everything. And they, I think that is a problem of of writing basically i think male characters aren't all like that in life but the movies don't necessarily reflect that shark movies certainly don't reflect that in terms of male characters you get somebody like finn in sharknado we love sharknado but finn is your standard square-jawed american hero and we love him for it but that's in the sharknado movies they're occupying a certain area of the water this is a completely different one yeah i mean go figure i'm not gonna say that everybody that hates the reef stalked is wrong i just happen to like it a lot that's very well said the female characters in this are empowering i like the fact that there was no romantic subplot in this at all it's very much about sisterhood 
And sometimes you need that. Sometimes we don't need some sleazy man dragging the proceedings down. And I was there for it with this. The focus was seeing these women overcome trauma, band together and defeat the monster. That is basically the premise of this. And it does it well. It doesn't mess about. As I said, it doesn't need some flimsy romantic subplot. We'll leave that for the hallmark genre. (laughs) So I absolutely love this film. Complete surprise because when you go into a movie that is a sequel to a film that came out absolutely years ago, you're kind of thinking, oh, is this going to be a bit on shaky ground? But this was absolutely brilliant in my eyes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's been a while since I've just been completely tense watching a movie, and, and this completely achieved what it set out to do. So the Reef Stalk gets a thumbs up from me if we were Siskel and Ebert, which we're not. Absolutely. And certainly not two out of ten from me. Two out of ten? No. No way. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 106 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy our content, you can check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Summer of Sharks continues next time, episode 107. And again, we're back in sequel territory. Having been warned off Deep Blue Sea 2, we are going to skip that movie completely and we're going straight for Deep Blue Sea 3. Looking forward to this one. Heard some positive things, so hopefully it will be a movie that we get on board with. Absolutely. Can't wait to check this one out. So, until then, stay safe everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.